The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. Okay. Well, just for the record, we got the sun in Phoenix, too. 52 to... <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sunny in Phoenix podcast, a weekly podcast where we keep you up to date on everything Phoenix Suns basketball. My name is Charlie Erling, and as always, I'm joined by Mitch Krumpetich. Well, hi. Well, hello there to you. And this week on the show, we'll be talking about a little bit of a bubble update for the Suns and the players who have recently joined and haven't joined yet. After that, we finally get the chance to break down a couple scrimmage games against the Utah Jazz and the Boston Celtics. And then after that, we're going to yet again touch a little bit more on the backup point guard rotation. I feel like this is something that needs to be discussed. Follow us on Twitter at Sunny and PHX Pod. Same thing for Instagram. Go on iTunes, leave us a five-star review and a comment, and you will get a shout-out on the show. All right. With the update to the bubble in Orlando, we know for a fact that Aaron Baines tested positive for coronavirus. He is still not in there. But we recently got Ricky Rubio back, who we got to see play in a game. And very recently, Elio Kobo just joined the team down in Orlando. So there's another player we can add to the roster. But let's start off with Baines. He did the interview with Shams, correct? He did, yeah. And we learned that he tested positive, and it knocked the big man down. Yeah, he said it was about four or five days where he was just in bed sleeping for most of the time. Um, He also had an interview with Tom Leander after the Boston game, um, just saying that he's doing better. His wife and kids are all negative and have the antibodies, so that's a really good thing. And he's just waiting to get two negative tests in a row before he joins the team in Orlando. Right, and that that makes it real to me because we see Aaron Baines and the Hulk of a man he is. He's in just pristine shape, and hearing that this knocked him down for four or five days, I'd hate to think what it what happened to me. Oh, yeah, if it's going to knock Aaron Baines down for four or five days, it, it could knock me out for four or five months. <laughs> right, yeah, it's not fooling around. Yeah. But so we hope Baines, you know, is testing negative soon and, even if he's not playing with the team when when he gets down to Orlando, it'll be nice to have him down there just as a, you know, a mentor for the guys. He's a, he's one of our vets. Yeah, he's a guy that's good to have down there, kind of like Kelly. Even if Kelly Oubre isn't playing, it's good to have him there. I'm pretty curious about that, too, because Oubre, it looks like he's been suited up through the first two games, but he hasn't played at all and just keeps his warm-ups on the whole time. I know it looks like he could go play and from, you know, we've seen him working out over the off season. It looks like he's in pretty good shape and looks like he could just as well be out on the court, but you know, maybe we'll see, maybe he does come in after these scrimmages. We'll, we'll just have to see. Yeah. We don't know. Well, I'll tell you one thing. It was nice seeing Ricky Rubio out on the court today. Uh, We record recording this on Sunday. So we just got to watch Rubio play. And it is very nice to have him back. He's another guy who tested positive for COVID weeks ago, but has obviously passed the quarantine and has gotten his negative tests. And he's down in Orlando. Yeah, he looked good, too. I was curious to see how he would look. And I've heard that, you know, COVID can really have some lasting effects on lung capacity and your breathing and that kind of thing. And, you know, he looked like he was still in good shape. Um, you know, just looked like his typical self, making the right passes, getting up and down the court without any issues. So really good to see. Right. He's a guy that I don't worry about coming back onto the court after a little time away from the game because he just has that high, high IQ and he's not going to do anything too wild out there. But he didn't play a ton of minutes in this game. So it's nice to see that we are easing him in. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, I saw someone on Twitter 
uh, I forget who it was, so apologies mm-hmm. there, but mentioned that Rubio kind of thrives in these couple month long summer tournaments, kind of like the FIBA tournament last year. Very he does true. well in these kind of situations. So I just kind of thought that was funny. And, you know, if it, I, we've been talking about maybe thinking of this as Summer League Plus or like a FIBA tournament, and that's really what it's kind of looking like to me. Right. It's a good place for Rubio to shine. So let's hope we get to see him in full strength when we get into the games that actually matter. Oh, yeah. And something else just good to note. We don't know much about it, but Elio Kobo is down in Orlando. It sounds like he'll have to do the period of quarantine for guys who just make it down there. But it sounds like he should be eligible to play and ready to go when that happens. Yeah, and it'll be nice to have him as another option. I mean, we did pick up Cameron Payne, who has looked pretty decent thus far. Um, But it doesn't hurt to have more of your guys down there. Right. Ellie's familiar with the system and all that compared to a guy like Payne. So we'll, we'll just have to see. And all these guys, their contracts are up this year, except for Rubio and Ty Jerome. So they're all they're all playing for something down here, too. Oh, yeah, definitely. All right, let's talk about some basketball games. It's been a while. It feels so good. It was great to watch these. Before we get into anything, how, what did you think of the, the setup down in Orlando and the broadcast and everything? I think it's fantastic. Yeah, I'm a big fan. I like what they're doing with it. Um, I've had a couple of thoughts. The first one that you know really sticks out to me is we talked about home court advantage. You know, we were throwing around some kind of wild ideas a couple months ago about maybe (laughs) the home team gets an extra challenge or maybe they get like spotted a couple points. People were throwing out anything. Maybe the home teams get to stay in a nicer hotel. What? I don't know. There was all kinds of stuff, but I like what they've done. You know, they've got this simulated crowd noise and it's in favor of the home team. They've got these computer graphics all surrounding the court, which are all in favor of the home team. So like when we watch this game against the Celtics, it's all go Celtics kind of stuff. And I think that's the best you can do, you know? I also think it's interesting that they've got these ballrooms basically set up with courts. We've seen these pictures, and I think it's more like the practice courts, you know? But three teams will have courts set up for practices in these big ballrooms. And I think it's kind of cool. It reminds me of just like a, like a massive summer camp, but the difference is it's, it's NBA players. It's the best of the best all at like a summer camp. I think it's pretty cool. It is really cool. And we'll finally get to see the Suns be the home team for this last scrimmage against the Raptors. So we'll get to, you know, see our background that we see in the broadcast and hear what we pump in for crowd noise and all that. We're used to the pumped in crowd noise, but let's just (laughs) move right past that. Right. I think the commentary has been good, though. But to hear Eddie and Kevin Ray again is nice. Um they're doing a good job. I was a little bit worried that maybe there would be a delay or something like that, but nope, you know, everything is sounding good. That's pretty typical. I think the camera work is nice too. Um, I saw a video where they have one of those, I don't know all the technical terms, but one of these cameras more at like court level that's on some sort of track that can go back and forth throughout the game. And it's been kind of cool to see some court level shots and then to be able to hear guys, you know, calling out plays and that kind of stuff during the games has been cool. Yeah. I really like the camera that's on a track. I wonder if that could ever be, I wonder if a team could afford to put a track in and then have the seating behind that or whatever. This is the perfect time to do something like that since there's no one there, but I like that view. It's pretty neat. Yeah, it, it really is. Um, I think they're doing a good job with that. I'm trying to think what else they're doing a good job with, because I think for the most part, it's been really good. I mean, I think one thing that has been kind of interesting for me is, especially in this first game that we watched against the Jazz, is it's it's odd to see guys be that close to each other again and be that physical. Like, I was a little bit just shocked at first because I haven't really experienced much of that at all since this, you know, we've got this six feet apart kind of thing, but these guys are like 
you know, playing basketball, full contact, everything like that. And I watched and I was like kind of shocked at first, like, what are they doing? But then I just remembered like all of these guys have tested negative. Like they for sure don't have it. This is okay. But it was, it was odd to see at first. Right. I mean, I got a little used to watching golf and some baseball now. And, you know, there's not much contact at all in those sports, if any. So, yeah, but the fact that they had zero positive tests down in the bubble for all those players is great. It's fantastic. It shows just, hey, quit being idiots and stay home. Maybe our state won't have the insane numbers. Our I mean, country, really. Yeah, Our country, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, it's, it's really... I'm just happy that it happens happened this way compared to what if five or six guys had already tested positive and you, you know they're going to be missing the first games the restart that that's not any fun every team's going in more or less full strength at, at least what they expected to be heading into the bubble now right yeah and i mean i saw dr fauci kind of saying if sports want to happen during this time it's going to have to look like the nba basically they're going to have to do this bubble. And now other sports have a great model for what it's going to have to look like. Uh, it's interesting because baseball is not doing a bubble. And they're still, like, traveling. I mean, they all have private planes and they're doing a lot of testing and stuff. But it'll be interesting to see how that goes. But, I mean, the NBA is taking every precaution possible. I, I think the best example of this is former son Rashawn Holmes ordered Postmates maybe with the encouragement of Kelly Oubre, <laughs> but we don't need to revisit that. But Rashawn Holmes orders Postmates. He leaves the premises just enough that the league said, nope, you got to quarantine again. Like you got to isolate again. And doing things like that is why we have zero positive tests. Right. And take Lou Williams, who just, Went to a strip club. Right. For, right. He, he left the bubble for personal reasons, which included going to a strip club supposedly to eat dinner. <laughs> oh, my gosh. As as you should at a strip club. But, <laughs> I mean, and then he gets hit with the 10-day quarantine. The NBA didn't mess around. They said, all right, 10 days of uh, negative tests and you can start playing again. That means he misses the first one or two games of the Clippers schedule. So, yeah. Don't mess around. I know. Then that's why I was like, well, I hope Kawhi and Paul George went with him. <laughs> yeah. Where's oh. James Harden in all this? He's I know, real. really. Yeah. But <laughs> I, that's kind of another thing that I think is cool about all of this is a lot of these guys have an opportunity to build more camaraderie and, you know, just team chemistry because the Suns Instagram is putting out all these videos of them playing spike ball or water basketball or whatever. Monty Williams jumping in the pool with all his clothes on. It's pretty cool. Like you can tell they're really getting to know each other better and they don't have anywhere else to go. We just have to hope they don't start hating each other, but <laughs> right. you know, we'll see. At least no one has to bunk up and share rooms. Right. Yeah. Having their own room helps. It's, I mean, it's like summer league for us. Yeah, know? exactly. We have a lot of fun, but when we have to share a room, at the end of it, we're like, okay, we're not going to talk for a full week. You know? <laughs> but yeah. when we have our own rooms, it's like hunky-dory. No questions, right. you know? <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, next year, going back to Summer League. All right. this Man. We're both very happy about how this has been going on. And the bubble in its entirety just seems like it's so good for the NBA and getting sports back on track. So I think we made that known. Let's get into a little Suns basketball now. And just some very encouraging stuff right from the tip of the Jazz game. We ended up winning this one 101 to 88. And we looked, the, the biggest takeaway, we looked ready to play. We looked crisp. We looked like we weren't messing around like this was at some worthless scrimmage. We were here to win games. Yeah, it was really nice. Uh, keep in mind, only 10-minute quarters for this first game. So we probably could have won by more, but... Whatever. This was a great start, and it was awesome to watch. Um, I do have to give a shout-out, though. I haven't had to do this in a long time. It feels good. We had our bet question from last week. Our question was, how many points will Devin Booker score in this game? So, shout-out to Omar, 
Uh, his Twitter handle is at midcard at best on Twitter. And we were guessing Devin Booker points. Devin Booker scored 13 points and Omar, he uh, said it'd be 14 points. So congratulations. Go follow him on Twitter. Check him out. Uh, as far as it goes for us, I won this one. You got me. <laughs> I did say 16, I believe. So I was a little bit further off, but still just a touch closer. Yep, you got me. Yeah, You got but, me there. I mean, I think overall, you know, Devin Booker has kind of struggled slightly to get his shot going here at the beginning, but that's okay. Other guys have been able to do things. And Booker still having 13 points helps. Four for 11 shooting, and he hit five for six of his free throws. He was still able to get other guys going with a few assists, though. So not bad overall. But I think there is some really good stuff coming out of this, especially Mikhail Bridges. He, number one, looks huge. I mean, I don't know if you've seen the Suns Instagram, but Mikhail Bridges looks like he put on a ton of muscle, and it's awesome. Uh, he led the team in this game with 14 points. Um, just, you know, he's hitting threes. His shot looks better. He's having some nice transition dunks, playing great defense blocks steals left and right he just looks so good he's really stepping up to the plate with Ubre out that's for sure he's in the starting lineup still obviously and he's he's literally doing it all he grabbed five rebounds in this game he was six for nine from the floor one for two from three and man he has been a joy to watch so far in these scrimmages he's been by far our best player in through the two games and I'm not calling him better than Booker or Aiden, I'm just saying, on the court, he has been fantastic for these first two. Yeah, so good, so good. And then, I mean, DeAndre Aiden, too. He got off to a pretty good start. 13 points in this game on six for seven shooting, and he hit a three. He hit a three <laughs> on an inbound play. He caught it in the corner. Gobert was sagged off, and he pulled it, and it was it was just net. And it was... Yeah. It was uh there was a bit of a celebration on my end after that went in. I'm I'm ready to watch that start to happen. Yeah, I was excited. I mean, I've wanted him to take those shots since he entered the league. So keep taking them. Right. I don't I still don't want to see him take anything nearly contested, but if it's wide open, I I want it going up. That's for Gotta sure. Got to pull it. Got to pull it. Yeah. And this was uh, his 22nd birthday as well. That's true. Yeah. Happy belated birthday to DeAndre Ayton. That's pretty exciting. 13 points, eight boards, and two assists. Not a bad game for the big yeah. man in the in the first game. Yeah. Not bad at all. Yeah. And then, I mean, I also want to give a shout out to Dario Sarch and Frank Kaminsky. Uh, Frank, first off, coming back from injury. I'm sure he's glad to be playing. Um he didn't have like an amazing game, um, but four for six from the floor, eight points. I mean, he did what he needed to do, and like he just looks good. He looks healthy. He looks big. It's nice. It was and our this, first time being able to see Frank on the floor in five or six months. Yeah, that was a long it's been time. a long time. Yeah, uh, and he kind of got right back into the groove, which was nice. And then Dario too. Dario shooting wise didn't have a great game. He did have 12 points, though, and looked better on the boards, looked better on defense. He's dropped 10 or 15 pounds. It's just been, you know, it's been awesome for him. He This quarantine just, you know, got him in even better shape than before, and he's looking good. Yeah, Dario looks, he looks trim for sure. It looks like he's moving a little more freely, and that might, may have been my most frequent gripe about him last year was, it looked like he was carrying a trailer around. He was just slow everywhere. But now you've seen seen him get up and down the court. You've seen him race into position down on the block to get to get his spot. Uh, some ball handling. We've seen him take, bring the ball up the court. Some nice passing. He really is a, a glue guy on the court. Yeah, he is. And mm. speaking of glue guys, Javon Carter, he played pretty well. But it's pretty interesting because he and Cam Payne had very similar stat lines. Payne had 11 points. Carter had 10. 
Uh, Carter did a lot of his scoring from the free throw line. He was only two for three from the field, but five for five from the free throw line. Payne didn't shoot any free throws, but was five from five for seven from the field, and they both hit a three. That is kind of an interesting battle to watch. We've been playing Payne, Carter, and Jerome all together just a little bit. It doesn't last super long, but Monty kind of tried to do that, especially in this game against the Celtics. But he's clearly trying to figure out who the backup guards are going to be. I think Carter's been playing a little bit of that backup shooting guard role. He can't really hang with the guys that he has to guard sometimes. But right. I, I don't know. Like This is an interesting battle. It, it's interesting for sure. And everyone was so excited about campaign after this game. He he played a nice game, that's for sure. But then there were the people who said, all right, calm down. Remember Mike James. This happened too. He came out, played great for a game or two. Everybody got excited. And then he, you know, what do I want to say? Fall off a cliff? Yeah, yeah. basically. Okay. So... You got to temper the expectations with campaign, but this first game was really nice. The one thing, the biggest takeaway for me in this one was without Rubio, who was going to start? I kind of assumed Javon Carter would be starting due to the minute situation towards the end of the season before we got locked down. But Ty Jerome starts the game, and then Javon and campaign come in later on. I was surprised about that. And then I, I took that as, hey, maybe we're just getting Javon used to that bench role. We don't want to throw anything more at him. This is where his place is. But, you know, Rubio comes back the next game, and Ty Jerome's still the first guy off the bench. Yeah, it's interesting. I, you know, I kind of expected it to be pain, you know? Monty has had nothing but great things to say about him. Monty coached him in OKC for a little bit. Uh, you know, Payne had a really, really great G League career, not super long or anything, but, you know, he got things right. And it, it just was sounding like he was going to be maybe starting without Rubio or being the first guy off the bench. But no, you know, Monty is placing some trust in Ty Jerome, so he's going to get a great opportunity. And that makes me worry. And it, it, it makes me think, is Ty Jerome going to be getting run because we have him under contract, because we used a first-round pick on him. Is that why he's getting the start in the first game and the majority of the minutes in the second? Or is he actually outplaying all of these guys? It's kind of tough for us on the outside to be able to tell what's going on there. Yeah, definitely. But I think we saw through the pre-pandemic season that even if Monty gives him a shot, if he doesn't perform, he'll switch things up. Right. Yep. And we'll talk more about this after we break down the Celtics game, too. So let's move on to that Celtics game. And it, it started off, the Celtics went on a 8-0 run, and then we went on a 7-0 run or something close to that. So it was a wild start to the game. We uh we got to see Booker turn it on a little bit more. We got to see Bridges have another solid game. But as this one wore on, the Celtics, uh, you know, their overall strength in their roster just kind of wore on us, and they ran away in the end. Final score was 117-103. Yeah, and this looked, unfortunately, like many of our losses in the pre-pandemic season where we hang with a decent team for three of the four quarters. Maybe not three in a row, but we just really lose it for one whole quarter. And in this game, I don't know that it was any quarter in particular, but probably a stretch of 12 or so minutes where we just could not hang, and that was our downfall. As far as 12 minutes goes, too, I mean, this is the first time we've played a full game with 12-minute quarters since March. So I think guys were a little bit tired. They Do they have the excuse? I don't know. Not really. 
they should be pretty well rested, but it has been a while since they've played. So I'll give them that. But yeah, I mean, our, our starters did pretty well. I mean, if you look at plus minus for our starters, it looks pretty typical for what we would see in a regular season, you know, except Devin Booker had a bit of an off game in this one. Um, he was only plus one, but we've got Bridges plus two, Sarge plus two. Aiton plus 10, which is nice. Like I said, Booker plus one, Rubio plus eight. So that's, I mean, that's fine for your starters. But then you look at the bench. Ty Jerome minus 20. Cam Johnson minus 12. Campaign minus 14. Javon Carter minus 16. Frank Kaminsky minus 25. That's rough. That's that's very rough. And exactly like you said, that's what we're used to. That's what we saw go on and on last year and when I you know you saw this happen at one point in the game when we had to take Booker off the court there was no real scoring option and I'm not saying Cam Johnson isn't a good scorer but he's just not the guy you lean on quite yet um he he was our number one guy out there at points and you could tell the offense just really stagnated and as soon as I saw that happened it made me think this is what we we don't need a new starter anywhere in free agency or the draft even necessarily. We just need a couple guys to fill a couple spots to really shore up the entire rotation. Yeah, we need to figure our bench out. And that's a really good position to be in, you know. I think we're a couple bench players away from being a, a playoff team. Right. You know? Yeah. So, I mean, three-point shooting – I mean, I think that's important to talk about, too. We shot 26.3% from three. You're not going to win many games when that happens. And we had three-point shooting woes uh, in the pre-pandemic season. Uh, It was just kind of sloppy, you know? Cam Johnson especially, like when you say he was the go-to guy and he's one for four from three, you know? It's it's not going to work that well. Right. That's that's very true. And, you know, Booker had a tough time getting the three going. He was three for nine. And but one thing I want to say about Booker, he hasn't looked quite like Devin Booker yet. But there's those flashes where he'll hit a shot and you'll be like, oh, yeah, that's that's mm-hmm. getting about back into form for him. And then we expect the consistency to come along as these guys get their last scrimmage game in, get a few more practices in. And then when the games matter. You know, I'm I'm expecting D book to be hitting at all cylinders. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, also keep in mind minutes distribution. You know, we're letting our our bench guys get a lot more run than we typically would. I mean, Bridges played 28 minutes. He's probably going to play more than that when the games actually count. Booker played 26. Aiton played 20. Rubio played 19. I mean, they're not playing as much as they're normally going to. Um, in the regular season. Uh, Dario Saric, too. We should probably talk about him because he had 12 points. He was playing a pretty good game, two for four from three. He rolls his ankle just ever so slightly. Didn't look super serious, but he's hobbling around a little bit, gets pulled for the rest of the game. We're not going to mess around in a scrimmage like this if a guy is, you know, potentially injured. Um, you know, they said he's doubtful to return. It seemed like he was fine, but yeah, I mean, that's going to make it tough when a guy like Dario who played pretty well in that first game is, is out. But yeah, I mean, we had to take that precaution. Right. And he really was off to a hot start in that game. So it, it was tough to, to lose him, but, and then going on, we had Aiton pick up four fouls in the first half and then Kaminsky did not have a good game. And then you got to kind of rely on Diallo, who only played nine minutes. So things are a little thin when, you know, Aiton gets four fouls, Sarge gets hurt, and Oubre's still not in there to play those power forward minutes. Things got a little thin, and then you could kind of see a point in the game where Monty said, all right, we're not going to risk anything more. And, yeah, these bench guys did play a ton of minutes. Right. And, I mean, we saw Cam Johnson play playing the four that it doesn't go very well on defense, especially (laughs) on offense. I mean, it's like stretch four, sure. But yeah, 
you know, he he did bulk up a little bit, but I don't think it's uh he's quite a four yet. Yeah. You have to ask me. I will say though, his hair. I'm a big fan. Oh, it's great. I think it's great. If you look at a picture of him now compared to like his last UNC team picture, it's uh it's pretty funny. I recommend you all do that. Yeah. Maybe that good. maybe we could tweet and or Instagram that Mitch. Oh, I did post on Instagram today. So Ooh. follow us on Instagram at Sunny and PHX Pod. Look out. <laughs> Look <Yeah>. out. <laughs> but we've we've been uh singing Mikhail Bridges' praise through this. And in this game, he had 16 points, five rebounds, an assist, and three blocks. And it seems like every time he gets a block or gets his hand into the passing lane, it's going down on the other end for a fast break. And that's really where we thrive. That's where we looked our best. When we could get a stop on defense and get the ball moving, that's when we look real good. Yeah. I mean, it's just been a straight-up three-man weave down the court, and it's been awesome. My favorite play of this whole game is when, you know, we're running in transition, going down the court. Rubio's got the ball in the center. He throws a no-look pass to Booker on the right. Booker, at the perfect time, just throws the ball up for an alley-oop to Aiton, who finishes it right at the rim. It was perfect. Yep, that's, that's how it's meant to be. That's how a fast break is meant to be run. As minimal dri- dribbling as possible. Just toss that rock around. Yeah, I mean, it's what? Two dribbles. Rubio takes two dribbles. Gets it to Booker, who doesn't dribble once. Gets it right to Aiton. In, in the sweet spot, you know, coming from the left side as a right-handed guy, it's nice. So You bet. Yeah. Yep, Booker with nine assists in this game. 17 points, four boards, nine assists. Aiton had 11 points, seven rebounds, a couple steals, and another three-pointer. Yeah, what he he took one and made one. So through two scrimmage games, he's two for two from downtown. Yeah, and I like that one because it was at the top of the key. It wasn't an inbounds pass. It was you know the offense is getting set up. The defense for from the Celtics perspective are probably waiting for someone to come around for a dribble handoff or something like that, but didn't happen. And Aiton's just standing there with no one within ten feet of him. Maybe not ten, but five six feet of. It, around him and he just pulls it and drains it yeah do that if he's doing that twice a game fine no it's it's great to see and you know teams will start to adjust and they'll say all right we need to be out there on Aiton and then that just opens everything up a little more and that's what makes the Suns a better team right and then Mikhail Bridges (laughs) or Devin Booker gets to they get to cut to the basket and it'll probably be an easy pass. I, I mean, Aiton's a decent passer. He's no Rubio or anything, but he can hit a guy cutting like that. Sure. So, yeah. that. I mean, I'm excited for that possibility, just having to respect the three a little bit, even like Baines, you know? Exactly. All right. I have a question that goes along with this, though. <clears throat> Which weighs more to you when it comes to DeAndre Aiton? In the two scrimmage games, two for two from downtown, we love seeing that. But on the other hand, zero for zero from the free throw line. We're used to seeing that from last year. Aiden never does a great job of being aggressive down underneath the rim and drawing fouls. You'd rather see, he'd rather take a turnaround jumper, middle of the lane, lay up a, a baby hook type situation rather than just really get in there and go up for a dunk. We don't see that much. So which means more, two for two from downtown or zero from zero for the free throw line? It's the free throws. I mean, Aiton could be contributing, I'd say, five to 12 points a game at the free throw line, you know? And right now it's zero. So one three a game, three points, yeah, that's great. But he needs to be shooting somewhere between, I'd say, five and 12 free throws a game. I have to agree with that, and especially the one takeaway there, offensive rebounds. He had four offensive rebounds in the first game. He had three in this game against the Celtics, and that is prime time to go to the free throw line. You get the board, you maybe throw a pump fake, or you just go straight up because you're DeAndre Ayton, you're seven feet tall, and you can jump out of the gym. Just go straight up and try to dunk it. We never see that. He'd rather... You know, I can appreciate that he doesn't want to be loose with the ball and potentially turn it over, 
but I'd rather see him do that once in a while than look to kick it out right after a rebound. Right, and he still had four turnovers in this game against the Celtics, you know? And, like, the four fouls that you mentioned did not bother me one bit because he was being aggressive on defense. If he picks up four fouls here and there, yeah, it hurts, but, like, realistically, that's what he needs to be doing, you know? I want him to apply that to offense. And if he draws a charge and has an offensive foul, fine. It's going to happen every once in a while. You know, but he needs to start doing this. And I think offensive rebounding is a great example. And I don't think I'm asking for all that much. Five free throws total, that's getting fouled on two shots and then maybe like an and one. So if he can get fouled on one offensive rebound and make that shot per game, he can definitely do that and it'll make a big impact. Yep, I hope that's the next thing that we see and add to the repertoire. We saw the defense really improve last year. Now let's hope we see that aggressiveness in the paint, seeing those free throw numbers go up. That's what I think that might be the thing I want to see most out of Aiton this year. Yeah, definitely. But I mean, I think overall we have so many positives to take from these games. These are two good teams. Utah is a playoff team. Very good team. They are missing Boyan Bogdanovich, which hurts them quite a bit. But still, they're a great team. Uh, Boston is also a great team, one of the top teams in the East, and we hung with them for the most part. You know, so when we're playing a team like the Mavericks or, I mean, the Wizards on Friday, like it bodes well for us as long as we play like how we've been playing. Exactly. Okay, we need to talk about the point guard situation. Hopefully just one last time throughout this restart. But we now know that Elio Kobo will be joining us. We don't know if he's ready to play. So, you know, that just adds another guy into the mix. And let's start off with the positives quickly through through these two games. About Let's start with Ty Jerome. What did you like out of Ty Jerome so far? Uh, Ty Jerome didn't look terrible in the first game against the Jazz. Uh, I can't exactly say the same against the Celtics game. But for the most part, he controlled the ball well, didn't turn it over too much. Um... <laughs> I know. See, this is this is what I'm getting at. My favorite thing about Ty Jerome in that first game was that I didn't notice him. Yeah. Yeah, basically. He, he, you know, he... He was only three for nine from the floor, but he wasn't taking bad shots. He was missing good shots. He had a few assists, and he wasn't getting burnt on defense too terribly. So I I guess that was the biggest positive. And then you go to Javon Carter. You say, oh, I like his intensity on defense, right? That's what we all say about Javon Carter. Yeah. And, and then you go down Cameron Payne. He looked great in the first game. Second game, not so much. Really kind of, I don't want to say fell off the cliff, but it wasn't a repeat performance of that first game. And now we get to add Ellie. And I, what I am what I just really want to go at here is, I don't think any of these guys are an NBA backup point guard at this position. No, they're not. I mean, I think if anyone is close, it's probably Payne. Because he has the ability to get to the rim he's a a touch of a better shooter than the other two uh, and ellie so the other three but even then i mean he was down in the g league for a reason i think he looks good i think maybe he does have a spot somewhere in the nba but i don't think he's our backup point guard in the future by any means no i still feel like this is a situation we've been in for the last few years but now finally we do have a starting point guard in rubio but it feels like we have end of the bench third string point guards as our backup point guards and and so forth and a prospect is our third string point guard it seems like that's where we're at still and you know there's still time to turn things around during this quick restart season but i don't know if anyone's quite shown that they should be a backup point guard in the nba quite yet Right, right. I mean, our draft focus is going to have to be 100% on backup point guard. And we just heard from Jonathan Gavoni, formerly of Draft Express, now with ESPN, 
I guess ESPN acquired Draft Express. Uh, but he's saying that for combine type workouts, teams are going to be able to select certain players and have some private workouts. Um, I assume they'll be following some of this testing protocol. Um, but yeah, we just kind of found that out very recently, which is kind of what we had anticipated. So it'll be interesting once we start seeing the names of guys who are getting private workouts. Right. I really expect to see a lot of point guards coming through and then you got to assume power forwards with the, the toss up with Ubre's only got one year left. Frank's on that. We have him on a team option, I believe, yeah, this year. Uh-huh, and uh-huh. then Sarge becomes a free agent as well. So, right. You, you and think Baines. And Baines, Baines too. Backup five, center is a yeah. thing, too. Mm-hmm. Aiden needs a blow. Things. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm hoping we can re sign at least one of those guys at the four. Or, I guess, of the three big guys, Sarich, Baines, Kaminsky, I want to re-sign at least one, even if it's just picking up Kaminsky's option. That right. That's fine at this point, so we can focus on backup point guard. But, yeah, it it's going to be interesting. I really hope someone can step up. But, yeah, I mean, it's like you said, none of these guys are, like, the backup point guard of the future. Maybe Ty Jerome though. I want to get. I want to hold Man. out hope for Ty just because he's. You know, we we've seen the least of him so far in, in the NBA. That's true. That's true. Um, but yeah, now that we're talking about big guys a little bit, uh, we need to do our bet question for next week. So we have one more scrimmage, which is going to be Tuesday, and that is against the Raptors. So we're not going to be doing a bet question for that because Friday, July thirty first, we will be having our first regular season game against the Washington Wizards. So our question for this game and go ahead and send your answer to us at Sunny and PHX pod on Twitter. So you can get a shout out. Our question is how many points will Deandre Ayton score in this game against the Wizards? All right. So a couple of weeks ago, we talked about some of the matchups that Ayton would see throughout the restart. And it's, it looks like it's going to be a favorable one, no matter who the Wizards put out against him. So I expect Aiden to have a big game. I expect big rebound numbers. And I'm going to go 19 points. 19? Ooh. Yep. Okay. Well, you are not going to be pleased with what I'm going to do, but I swear to you, I had this in my head before you said that. One up or one down? 20. 20. Okay. (laughs) All right, Mitch. All right. Well, keep in mind, we don't have anything real riding on this because we said July is just our warm up. (laughs) I I can still get upset, though. Yeah, you can. I have that kind of petty competitiveness that. Yeah. Well, and we'll see if I can go 2 0 in the month of July. You know what you did. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Anyway. Go ahead and let us know on Twitter at Sunny and PHX Pod. How many points is DeAndre Ayton going to score against the Wizards? And whoever is closest to the actual result will get a shout out in the next episode. Um, yeah, that's what we've got. It's nice to talk about basketball again. But now it's time for us to not talk about basketball. It is time for the non sports section of our show. I am inspired by a dream I had last night. Because I have some pretty wild dreams sometimes. So what is the wildest dream that you have had? Okay, so I'm not a very vivid dreamer like you are. I don't remember (laughs) a ton of mine. I I know that I have them. And I can remember maybe just a, a little tiny bit of it, a speck of it. But nothing at all, really. But there's one that stuck with me. And it was from when I was a kid back in the 90s and this was some sort of scary dream and it uh i remember i woke up i was sweating and i was scared out of my mind from the dream and it was one of those situations where i was trying to stay awake to stay from going back into the dream but i kept falling back asleep and i it was one of probably the most emotional scarring moments of my childhood honestly i mean I'm thankful that I didn't have any crazy stuff go on, but that was a wild one. And all I can remember about it now is it being just like 
a zany 90s funhouse type situation where there was uh i was being chased by something as well but i i don't remember much else about it other than it it like it stuck with me for a little while it was intense yeah dreams can be very intense they can seem so real um like you said though i have very vivid very specific in-depth dreams that i can remember a lot of the time um i also I don't think I've talked about this on the show before, but I have experienced sleep paralysis for probably, I don't know, 20 years, maybe a little longer than that. So now I'm pretty used to it. When it starts, it's not as scary. It's more just like, okay, we're doing this again. Like, here we go. It's more annoying than anything. Um, but when I was kid, when I was a kid, it was really scary. I think I was maybe four or five or six somewhere around there the first time it happened and i had no idea i just thought it was real so in this dream i i have to give some context first one i really love clam chowder it's like my favorite soup oh okay yeah two i used to think a suitcase was called a soup case <laughs> so that's important for the stream so uh, the night of this dream, I had watched, uh, remember Goosebumps, like R.L. Oh, yeah. Stein Goosebumps? Oh, yeah. I had watched Night of the Living Dummies 2 or 1 or whatever, I don't remember, with Slappy. Um, I've never liked those like marionette-type puppets, those really realistic ones. They just creep me out because of this dream. So I watched that movie right before I went to bed. I probably rented it from the library. Um, but I watched it and in the dream, all the dummies from that movie walked into my room and they had these suitcases full of clam chowder and they opened them up and they were like filling their bowls up and they were eating it and they were like offering it to me. It wasn't like they were going to make clam chowder out of me or anything. They were just eating it like with me in the room <laughs> and it was like so disturbing. And it was one of those sleep paralysis dreams where you're, I always describe it as like your mind is awake, but your body's still asleep. So I just legit thought I was awake and like couldn't move. And it was so freaky. Wow. So I thought you'd have more mixed feelings since you love clam chowder. Yeah. And they were just offering and enjoying it. I thought maybe you'd be like, hey, maybe I can get into this. But the, the, the dolls or puppets were scary enough to uh, hold you yeah. back from that? I think it was more like they took something that I loved from me. Oh. Yeah. yeah, it was like, oh, I can't have this now, which somehow that didn't impact me. I still really love clam chowder, and I still loved it as a kid. But it was, like they were using my my like deepest desire. At the time, my deepest desire was probably clam chowder. They were using it against me. Let's fast forward 20 years or whatever. Mm -hmm. What would today's clam chowder be? Um, like my deepest desires or a dream? <laughs> Your deepest desires. Like we're on the podcast. Let's let it out. <laughs> that's, that's a tough question now as an adult. <laughs> but no, like dream wise, like a sleep paralysis dream right now for me. I had a good one actually. Um, this was probably six months or a year, a couple of years ago. Yeah. Somewhere between a year or two ago. Um, I had a sleep paralysis dream that one of my grad school professors came into my room while I was sleeping. And I was like, what are you doing here? Like I'm sleeping. <laughs> and it wasn't like scary or anything. She was just like standing there. No. Yeah. This was cause I had graduated from grad school already. So this was fairly recent. And wow. yeah. Just my professor was just standing there. I was like, why are you here? So, you know what I think? And I'm sure people who have studied dreams or know anything about dreams will probably say, no, dude, you're an idiot. But I think that sensation when you're dreaming about something and I don't know, mine always happened with sports. Like if I were dreaming that I was playing a game and I jumped for something or whatever and I'd actually rock out of bed and jump more or less yeah. you know like yeah. just the the shock out of bed that's how you break out of it mitch you need to learn how to do that <laughs> well 
Yeah, it's hard though when it's sleep paralysis because you can't move. Mm, just try my technique next time. Uh, I, I have tried. <laughs> it's just like you're frozen there. It's really just one of those things that you just have to wait out. And it's not that big of a deal anymore. Uh, I, I've had that happen to me before, though. When I was a kid, I used to dream of being in school. And, like, the teacher would ask a question. I'd raise my hand to answer. And I'd wake myself up by raising my <laughs> hand. It's <laughs> good that you didn't yell. You just raised your hand like a good student and waited to be called on, though. That's yeah. good manners even while you're dreaming. <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I've never like yelled or I think my sister has cried in her sleep before because of a dream, but I've never had anything. I, I mean, I've had very scary dreams, but now I never react like that. You know, you're you're getting married soon and we're just off the rails here. So yeah, one of my biggest worries about when I got married and I started sharing a bed with my wife at night i was like i hope i don't say any crazy business while i'm asleep <laughs> like what like what do i actually dream about what if i mumble something in my sleep what's it gonna be but i've never been you know like smacked or anything or it's never been addressed so i must keep it pretty normal mm-hmm. while i'm asleep hmm. yeah that's interesting i don't know if i talk in my sleep or not i do know that i snore though my my freshman roommate uh, in college in, in undergrad always reminded me of that, but he would always just yell at me, and I'd wake up for a brief second and stop and go right back to sleep, and it was no big deal. You know what you need to do for Denise? What? You need to record yourself snoring so she can start playing it in her bedroom, <laughs> so she could get used to it and be able to sleep through it. Yeah, that's not a bad idea. She'd love it. She, I'm sure she would. <laughs> I'm excited for her to listen to this. And is her is her birthday coming up or anything? No, her birthday is no. June. She just shoot. Oh shoot. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, a sporadic gift is yeah, just out stuff. of the blue. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's where we hang it up today, everybody. Thank you for tuning in. We've gotten to watch some basketball. There's more coming up. We really love breaking it down, and we love that you guys listen to the show. Check us out on social media at Sunny and PHX Pod on Twitter and Instagram, and we'll see you again next week. Go Suns!